it kind of came upon me. It wasn't a conscious decision that I was aware of. It was like, suddenly I realized that I stopped wanting to be somewhere else. And I stopped needing to get out as much. Now I still need to get out sometimes. I still need nature and luckily I live right across the street from Golden Gate Park so I can get hits of that or I can walk 10 minutes to a very no joke staircase to get up to Mount Sutro and mm -hmm. feel really in nature. That was Lily Sloan, creator, producer, and host of the podcast, A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we feature therapists, drag queens, bartenders, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 38, part one. In this podcast, Lily talks about moving from the East Coast to Petaluma and then to San Francisco to go to college here. A few years after her move here, Lily discovered something very powerful that made her feel at home. But before we get into Lily's story, I just wanted to ask you to let us know how we're doing. It's been nine months since we started, and we've put out nearly 40 storytellers in more than 60 episodes. It's one thing to look at our stats. It's another to hear the human reaction behind those numbers. You can drop us an email at storiedsf at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, or say something to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks. Here's Lily. Yeah, so I was born on the East Coast in New York, lived in Connecticut till I was eight, and then my family moved out to Petaluma, California, just north of San Francisco, when I was... Yeah, when I was eight years old. Do you know why Petaluma? It's East uh, Connecticut to Petaluma, I don't am guessing yeah. that there's not like a pipeline for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Move. Well, strangely, um, there might be more of one than you'd think. Now, the so my parents were always in the natural foods industry okay. and uh, my dad ended up being offered a job at Amy's Kitchen okay. that does the frozen organic yeah. stuff. So that was really why we came. They really needed the money yeah. and the, the job and uh, but you know, actually, it's an interesting. They gave up a lot of community to do that, and and I, I think that, in many ways, especially my mom didn't feel like they were able to reestablish what they had given up. Right. Um, but yeah, so I mostly grew up there. I I feel like I have some East Coast tendencies, but I'm definitely, I definitely identify as a Californian. Yeah. And I. When I went to college, I went to UC Santa Cruz, so still Bay Area, mm -hmm. still also kind of like funky suburban town, sort of. Mm -hmm. It's a little bigger than Petaluma, but mm -hmm. um, still coastal. Mm -hmm. And then I moved back to Petaluma, and a few years after I was back, I was ready to pursue grad school. And um, I, my sister had finished her bachelor's at... California Institute of Integral Studies here in San Francisco and when I'd gone to her graduation I really felt the sense of belonging mm. like this place is really cool it's really special it incorporated a lot of things that had been values in my life and that I'd been taught around kind of eastern spirituality but combining that with psychology and specifically the institute or San Francisco the school the school yeah okay. um now I'm really like 
detached from a lot of that and critical of it, but it was still, mm. I still am like, this is the best, the best school I could have gone to. Mm-hmm. But I was in a relationship, my first long-term relationship. And so for the first year of doing school there, I was commuting on Golden Gate Transit um, and not really fully being here. Mm. And when that relationship ended, something kind of clicked in me that I didn't need to live in Petaluma and that I could live in the place where I was building community through these really close relationships with my classmates because we were really digging into our shit Mm -hmm. as we were studying to become therapists. Mm -hmm. And so, again, like for me, it was going to school there and meeting these people and really working on myself with them was such a relieving experience of community. So I was able to move here um, almost 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. uh, September 2008. Okay. I moved here. So Right before a very exciting time in the country and a very exciting time in San Francisco. So I got to spend... But that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's only yours. Yeah. I'm the only one. (laughs) Obama was just for you. (laughs) I got to spend... um, Yeah. I got to do election night. 2008 at a bar in Noe Valley with my classmates. Nice. Which bar was it? Some Irish bar. That was such an incredible night. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't even. And then I get sad even just thinking about it because mm-hmm. of where we're at. Uh, yes. Uh, hindsight. Hindsight. Exactly. <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> exactly. Like that was just yesterday, but it's already nostalgic. I know. Ten, a decade. Yeah. A dec- I was an adult. I was well into my 20s a decade ago, and that's kind of blowing my mind. And Mm -hmm. that I've lived here for 10 years, and this is absolutely my home. Mm -hmm. And I I never lived anywhere for 10 years. My family moved a lot. And I've lived in my apartment for nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's longer than I lived anywhere as a kid. Mm -hmm. We didn't have much housing stability. Mm So so having my my rent controlled apartment is like my lifeline Mm -hmm. in so many ways, especially for me to be able to be, you know, a business owner and an artist here in San Francisco. I don't know how else I could possibly do it in the current climate. Right. So the first three years I was here though, I kept thinking eventually I'm going to move out of the city. Right. (laughs) I couldn't, I, my nervous system was having a really hard time adjusting to being a city dweller. So that that had to do, you think, specifically with San Francisco, or maybe, like you said, you hadn't really you hadn't really dug in deeply anywhere before that. What, there's what do you think? there's that. So I think there's part part of it, and I hadn't thought of that before. You just said that. I think part of it is an expectation that I'm not going to be anywhere very right. long, though also an expectation that I'm going to be within a close range of like, I'm not going to move super far away either. I've never really done that except when moved with my family as a small child. Yeah. (laughs) So I felt like I was going to be in the Bay area, but I kind of thought I was going to go back home. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't fully know why that is about me because I am adventurous in a lot of other ways, Mm -hmm. but golden handcuffs or golden. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I didn't have much there, but I mean, I had people but really, I mean, I didn't have friends left over from high school. I have like one. I, it's it. It was more like some perceived safety of being near my family, which has mm-hmm. since actually changed mm-hmm. um, as my family has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So my first three years here, I was still visiting home more frequently. Taking, I'd got rid of my car, so taking the bus up north more. Um, 
And just this feeling of when grad school's over, I'll probably look for internships outside of the city, that right. the city is stressful, that, you know, the feces on the ground is stressful, mm -hmm. and all of that. And I am a very sensitive person. I think I've actually, within three years, I totally adjusted. Not that I'm not still sensitive or taking it in in some way. I think my nervous system is still feeling it, but I've just gotten used to it. Cope. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm probably t more, I don't know, I've always been tense. I probably am holding my body differently to cope hmm. than maybe I did when right. I first got here and I didn't have those defenses up. Right. But I feel very, um, I feel st more street smart and like, okay, being out at night by myself and doing hmm. things that some people might think are not a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm very self-sufficient and I hate paying extra for you know, Ubers, I hate Uber, Ooh, but yeah. like, I hate paying extra for those things. So I'm, I can be very insistent. I'm like, no, I'm going to walk all the way home or whatever it is. And it's just really important to me to, um, even if I feel unsafe, but it's a situation where I think I should be safe <laughs> to be like, I'm going to do it anyway, because I should be able to feel safe. <laughs> Public transportation is something that I absolutely use. I'm I also go through phases where I bike a lot because that's actually the fastest way to get mm -hmm. anywhere, the fastest and cheapest, mm -hmm. <laughs> even even with having to replace multiple bikes over the years. <laughs> but walking is, and planning to walk and planning my time that way and not having an expectation of it taking 10 minutes to drive somewhere, which is something that, you know, I just shifted in my yeah. time here like I I was gl actually glad to get rid of the burden of having a car mm -hmm. and the payments and the insurance and here it's super burdensome mm -hmm. with parking and yeah. tickets and and freeing up that part of my income but also just making my life work around public transit and walking and just it slows things down you don't have as much of an expectation of how much you can do in a day I kind of give myself an hour to get everywhere many places yep. and I listen to podcasts mm -hmm. I listen to music I get all my most of my exercise that way I walk you know 3.2 miles from my office home up over 17th oh wow frequently and not every time but yeah. and it feels it just feels good to me to be in this city in that way that hill is no joke that hill is no joke yeah. <laughs> but it's it was something where I just real, and I think change happens like this a lot. Mm -hmm. As a therapist, I notice this in my clients. I notice it in myself where it's not like, and now I have changed right. and now I am changing. It's mm -hmm. more like, oh, whoa, I forgot that I used to worry about this thing so much, t you know, a year ago, two years ago. And now I didn't even realize I'm not really worrying about that as much yeah. as I used to. Yeah. Or I'm not doing that habitual thing I did as much as I used to. So that's, had, yeah, that's my experience of change in general. Had you, at that point, um, had you built up like a, a community, a group of friends? And yeah. Because that'll, that'll keep you in a place too. Absolutely. Like the community, loving my apartment and feeling at home there mm -hmm. and, not, and also not feeling like I could move. <laughs> I mean, Golden but... Yes. Absolutely. Community was a big part of it. And at the time it was more therapists um, and internship and community around that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, groups I was part of or, you know, organizations I was volunteering for. 
And that's continued to be true, even though that community has changed for me. And now it's more um, at BFF.FM. That has really changed my life in the last year. And the community that I'm starting to establish through podcasting and all the Bay Area audio people who are doing such cool work. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, one of the things that I noticed happened, too, was the way that my mind opened through living in an urban environment Mm -hmm. and challenging a lot of my privilege and a lot of my worldview that came from just like lack of exposure and not really getting good modeling around what, you know, what it even looks like to be more aware and, and outside of myself. And I had a lot of experiences here that were challenging or beautiful or all of the above I I started to picture more and more how important it felt to me to be in an environment that did that for me Mm. and also to someday raise a child in an environment like that. And now that is where I feel pretty much all the way like I want to live in a city. Do you want to share any of those experiences? Yeah. Well, one of the things this is this is this is a story that I kind of go to to show when I talk more about the process of waking up to my white privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first, pra- so your first internship when you're becoming a therapist is called practicum and you do that while you're in school. And I was at, on a skilled nursing unit at CPMC, the Davies campus over mm-hmm. by DeBose Park. Mm-hmm. And so mostly elderly people and people who are just severely, um, they, who were really ill, mm-hmm. so needed a lot of, um, care, palliative care, right. things like that. And there is a mix of, you know, who is part of the patient population, but I would say the majority were people of color. Right. And, uh, you know, people from China, and there were like the African American community. And so this was A, like my first real exposure to, to death and dying. And uh, extreme po- first, first first hand first first hand exactly yes. yeah. um, extreme poverty and you know issues that elderly people were facing but I remember a woman sometimes people were in there with you know more severe mental health stuff going on too but I remember a woman talking about just telling some story about like guns being fired on the street outside our apartment in the western edition and I didn't believe it I <laughs> I didn't, bl- I was like, well, I didn't hear about this in the news. And there was a way where it wasn't just like there were other people. There was a way where we were kind of trying to figure out what was wrong with her. Hmm. And it luckily the group, the, the group of us interns and our supervisors were able to unpack it a bit and, uh, and realize what was what we were doing. But it was it was a huge shift for me in opening up to the possibility a that that people's lives are really different from mine and that there's extreme amount of like violence and oppression and stuff that I am being insulated from. Mm -hmm. And I felt so ashamed when I realized how I had treated her or thought about her based on assumptions, assumptions and lack and like lack of, ignorance Mm -hmm. and privilege and I'm I'm so grateful to that experience and to have been in an environment where that was caught right because if it hadn't been caught 
And I think it doesn't get caught a lot. And people, you know, in the mental health system get pathologized and treated like they're in gaslit and treated like they're crazy when actually people just aren't getting that things are different if your skin isn't white. Right. (laughs) And I really just didn't fully understand that. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, and it's a gradual, that was a huge moment in this gradual process of, of understanding that happened a long time ago. And I've had a lot of work to do since and continue to. Oh yeah. But I don't living, living here has been, you know, part of, part of that and getting to know people who are more activists and who are more engaged in politically and engaged in, in understanding their their impact in the world and that feels so so special and important to me and I don't want to I don't want to lose that so when I became involved at bff.fm and started my advice show there radical advice which I do Tuesdays from 10 a.m. to noon um, I started that a year ago and through that I, I got this whole community of people who are like some people who work in tech and some people who are artists or writers and who happen to like do radio shows on the side and so many people who are really who really care about the community and being part of a community radio station that's about broadcasting out and being more inclusive and really having really you know really strong values around that Mm -hmm. and I became more engaged in local politics than I ever have been and I f- and it really reinforced this sense of home. Hmm. And I've I've never felt more of a sense of home and stability than, you know, despite all other ways that I feel instability in my life right now, mm-hmm. having community and having my apartment yeah. have been life-changing for me. Nice. And I didn't have that in the suburbs. Yeah. And I didn't have that with my family. Yeah. Yeah. So San Francisco's home. San Francisco's home, and it's messed up in all kinds of ways. And I really oh, yeah. want to fight that. I want to. I want to. I want to be here for that fight. And I want to. I want to use my voice and the th- the projects that I'm doing to help with that. I tend to be a negative person. I mean, I don't like that term. I tend. I tend to be skeptical. I tend to be to focus on what's wrong, and that's that serves me in a lot of ways and sure. it can be a, a helpful quality to have and kind of a miserable way to live sometimes, but whatever. But I think part having community and having like-minded people who feel similarly, even if all we're doing is bitching about the situation, right. knowing that they care too and that they're here too and that we're, that we have each other mm-hmm. um, gives me hope mm-hmm. and reminds me you know, like being part of the radio station or the, the interactions I have when I'm out in bars doing my podcast mm-hmm. uh, give me hope about this place, that it's not all bad and that there's something to fight for and something that we can save and mm-hmm. pr- preserve. And it's not even about, I'm not like <laughs> like a make San Francisco great again. Like <laughs> I'm sure it's always had problems. Right. It's more like how do we move forward into the future? And I love I love technology, you know, mm-hmm. like how do we move forward and not screw people over? How do we move forward and and be welcoming and be a progressive city technologically and socially 
and build systems that really support people and make it so that we are we are valuing more than just money and you know capitalism music for the podcast is by joe Bagale. photos for this episode are by michelle kilfeather please follow storied san francisco on facebook twitter and instagram if you're listening to us on apple podcasts please rate and review the show it takes just a few seconds and we'd really appreciate it thanks a lot for listening Check back Thursday to hear Lily talk about how she started doing her podcast, A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. Uh-huh.